I wrote this piece. Basically, the headline was Nina Turner's defeat wasn't only about the onslaught of big money smears. So that was kind of the big takeaway among most that, to be clear, Nina did raise more money overall than her opponent, Chantel Brown. However, um, it seems that Nina Turner's campaign spent a lot of the money earlier on in the election. And by the end of the election, when the establishment, we're talking the media, the super PACs, uh, when they got organized and established, boy, she was badly outspent. I mean, I couldn't turn the channel uh, in, in Cleveland uh, without seeing an attack ad on Ina Turner for basically not being, you know, a loyal Democrat, uh, bowl of which she said Biden, you know, voting for Biden was like a bowl of shit first half a bowl of shit, full blow, full bowl of shit. Uh, painting her as anti-Israel because for the crime of caring about Palestinian human rights. Um, it was endless all over TV. It was also all around Cleveland. I mean, I saw at least five or six billboards within a 10 minute drive uh, against Nina Turner. And this was all big money. We can't, you know, minimize how much of the big money had an effect. It certainly, certainly had an effect. But I also think it's a disservice to claim that was the main reason she lost, because I don't think it was. So as I wrote, any serious analysis of Turner's defeat can't ignore the onslaught of smears and coordinated attacks that the majority of voters, who in my experience covering primary elections, most of whom don't even know there is an election happening until the final week and days leading up to it, were bombarded with in the final stretch of the campaign. So we just spoke about that. But ultimately, that isn't the main reason she lost. Just take this one tweet from Independent Left News and the response from an actual voter from Ohio's 11th district. So independentleft.news wrote, the squad lost it, not her necessarily. Uh, as I wrote, I don't include this tweet to criticize them. You know, they're great. I include it because this was just one of many, frankly, wrong takeaways from Turner's loss, ranging from the squad lost it for Turner. She lost because she was a debt. She ran as a Democrat. I want to, I want to point out because a lot of people that were pushing this, she lost because she ran as a Democrat. I don't know if they just simply didn't do the research. I don't know if they knew this and just lied to their viewers. There was no option for Nina Turner to run as a Democrat. That wasn't an option. The Green Party has lost ballot access in Ohio. Uh, Movement for a People's Party doesn't have um, ballot access in Ohio. And it was a Democratic primary. So you can't run as an independent in a Democratic primary. You could say, well, she should have skipped the Democratic primary and waited till the general election and ran as an independent. First off, Ohio's rules for who can and cannot run as an independent are pretty uh, complicated. Uh, you kind of have to prove that you haven't had an allegiance to either party for a considerable amount of time. But number two, if this still does matter to uh, progressives in America, she would have lost if she ran as an independent in the general election. But as far as the Democratic primary, the only option was for her to run as a Democrat. Couldn't run as anything else. Not like she made the choice not to run as anything else. It was not the option to run as anything else. So we should make sure that's clear. So getting back to this, uh, she didn't run scorched earth against the Democratic Party and Biden, thus def deflating excitement and enthusiasm among progressives nationally. 
So all of these takes are coming from well-intentioned and understandably fed up progressives, tired of supporting progressive candidates only to see them fold like cheap tents to the Democratic establishment once in office. But to be direct, even though I think a lot of these people saying these things that, you know, the squad lost it for her. She ran as a Democrat. She didn't run scorched earth against the Democratic Party. I, I, I don't think they I, I think they are well-meaning and I don't think they're stupid or anything like that. I just think they're wrong. <laughs> I know they're wrong. So, as I said, to be direct, you know, they're missing the forest for the trees. Here's one per person offering the reality of the voters in Ohio's 11th district. So. This person responded to independent left news. You obviously don't know Ohio 11. They loved Hillary and they blame Bernie and Nina for making Hillary lose and Trump win. That's how the PAC, super PAC, helped Brown win. They got white Karens upset about Nina hating on Hillary and Biden. Those white Karens showed up to stop Nina. Black vote was MIA. Uh, to be clear, 17% of voters turned out. Very, very low voter turnout. Nina did win the majority of working class black districts. So that is an improvement over Bernie. Nina did win the majority of black districts, uh, working class black districts. She won the city of Cleveland. She won the city of Akron, but she got hammered in the white suburbs, the white, white suburbs. Another voter, another person who's a voter in the district wrote, this thread is 100% correct referring to my thread. I'm a black woman born and raised in Ohio's 11th district, east side suburb, and I saw everything Jordan just pointed out. Nita needed a stronger ground game very early on. She lost by 4,000 votes. There were 13 Dems running. Also, some Repubs may have voted for Brown. Some Repubs, Republicans did. And we'll get to the ground game in, in a little bit. So I want to get in more to this district because I think a lot of the people who were you know, she didn't run as a, she ran as a Democrat or, you know, she uh, didn't run scorched earth or she didn't go to the Medicare for all rally. I don't think they actually took the time to even bother looking at like, what is this area? Who votes? Who do they vote for? So here is Ohio's 11th district. Okay. Uh, in 2016, Trump won the state of Ohio by eight points, but Hillary Clinton won Cuyahoga County. That's, that's Cleveland, by 35 points. And Summit County, which is Akron, by eight points. Okay? There's the handy-dandy map there. Fast forward to 2020. President Trump again won Ohio by eight points. But Biden won Cuyahoga County, Cleveland, by 34 points. And Summit County, Akron, by 10 points. So the bottom line is 2016 and 2020's margins were essentially the same with Ohio's 11th district, Cleveland and Akron, going overwhelmingly to Democrats and clearly corporate establishment Democrats. Okay, but Jordan, you might say, of course, this blue district would go overwhelming to the, overwhelmingly to the Democratic general election candidate. Well, I give you the 2020 Ohio 11 Democratic primary and general election in 2020, not, not Nina Turner's race. Here is uh, then Congresswoman Marsha Fudge. Do you see that? In the general election, that would be 60 points she won by. Marsha Fudge, interestingly enough, Marsha Fudge, who was the congresswoman in this majority black vote blue, no matter who district, uh, she actually supported Medicare for all and kind of sort of half-heartedly supported the Green New Deal. So why did she support them? 
here's where we get to the, the truth here. Because there's a basic, basic truth that a large swath of progressives across this country do not want to hear and they don't want to accept. And I'm sure I'll be called a sellout and a fraud. I don't really give a shit. Voters, even in more moderate to conservative Democrat areas, agree with us on policy, but they don't hate the Democratic Party or believe that it's inherently corrupt. Once again, here's the truth from someone who knows the area. Same quote. You don't know Ohio 11. They loved Hillary and they blame Bernie and Nina for making Hillary lose and Trump win. So now that we've established this is an area that historically has supported establishment Democrats and has no interest in burning down the Democratic Party. At the bottom, at the end of the day, we as progressives, we're at a crossroads and it's time to choose. Do hardcore progressives across the country, especially ones who live online, that's not a bad thing. I, I love everybody who watches us and, you know, other progressives. Do they want to continue to try and like will voters who have been successfully conditioned over decades? I bolded it decades via a steady diet of corporate media and Democratic Party propaganda to think in terms of team blue versus team red. Do we want to continue trying to will them over to our side that demands revolutionary change and burning down the two party duopoly or gasp, swallow hard, meet them where they are and attempt to strategically persuade them on why candidates like Turner can improve their lives without going as far as burning down the Democratic Party. To be clear, because I know, you know, people will say, oh, you're propping up the Democratic Party, oh, this, that, and the other thing. To be clear, this doesn't mean progressives need to dementor, demexit, or whatever variation comes about. This isn't about being a proud Democrat or even a Democrat. It also doesn't mean progressives need to abandon organizing and building a third party. Like, people have gotten to this point, frankly, where there is no gray area. People have gotten to this point where nuance means you're a sellout. Here's the first reason in my view, and based on my observation, Nina Turner lost. Progressives keep trying to will older and moderate suburban voters over to their political ideology rather than meeting them where they are. This is not just in Nina Turner's race. This was in Bernie's race and many other races. First, it should be stated Nina won the majority of black working class districts, including the neighborhood Chantel Brown lived in. This is from Jacobin. On the whole, Turner won five of Cleveland's nine black majority wards and lost four. The ones she lost, all of them narrowly, less than two points. She lost. She won the city of Cleveland as well as the majority city, city of Akron. In Ohio, 11, the key difference came in the more affluent suburbs. In wealthy communities like Pepper Pike, 84% white with a medium income of $190,000 a year. Brown beat Turner by over 50 points. There are simply far fewer of these kind of communities in Corey Bush's Missouri district. They mentioned Corey Bush because part of the piece was comparing uh, Corey's uh, loss, first loss, uh, when she lost the first race to Nina's loss. Yes, Brown also did well in black working class suburbs near her home base of Warrensville Heights, 
which she has represented as a city and county council member for over a decade. But by far the heaviest blow against Turner came in the richer, richer burbs. In just six suburban towns, Pepper Pike, Beechwood, Orange, Broadview Heights, University Heights, Shaker Heights, Brown netted 4,390 votes over, Turney, over Turner, more than her total margin of victor, victory. So this is a big victory for progressives who, let's face it, lost most of these areas in Bernie Sanders' two presidential campaigns, talking about black working class districts. So the fact that Nina won those, I know people don't want small moral victories here, but that's a victory because progressives have not done as well in working class black districts because a lot of those black people, mostly older black people, come out and vote for Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or fill in the blank. So similar to Bernie 2020 and Biden cleaning up in the wealthy, wealthier suburbs, Brown demolished Turner in the wealthy white suburbs. Make no mistake, the tsunami of big money super PAC ads across local Cleveland and Akron television and on big billboards throughout Cleveland led to significant voter turnout from those wealthy burbs to vote against Turner and drastically turned the tide in Chantel Brown's favor in the final weeks before the election. And right here, although Turner outspent Brown overall, 6.9 million to 5.3 million, Turner's campaign made the flawed decision to spend a lot of that money early on in the spring and early summer. This led Turner to be badly outspent in the final weeks before election as, as the Democratic majority for Israel, Super PAC, as well as the Wall Street front group, Third Way, carpet bomb TV with negative ads against Turner, with the predictable attacks of her not being a dutiful servant to the corporate Democratic Party for her bowl of shit comments about voting for Biden in the general election, distorting her support for Palestinian human rights as being anti-Israel, and even going so slimily far. I don't even know if slimily is a word, but I used it. To be clear... This doesn't mean progressives need to dem-enter, dem-exit, or whatever other variation comes about. It also doesn't mean progressives need to abandon organizing and building a third party. But the cold, hard reality, and I'm sorry to tell you this, a vibrant third party with ballot access across the country and a strategy to break through permanent media blackouts is a long-term play. It is. Anyone telling you differently is either a good-hearted person who's just naive or wrong, or they're they're just misleading you. I don't know how else to say it. It's it's not a short-term play. So today, the choice is simple: forget the letter next to the candidate, even though the Democratic Party is corrupt. No one's arguing they're not. Nobody's arguing. Get a DNC bumper sticker for your car. In fact, I, I would really doubt you as a human if you did so. But put aside the letter and focus on the actual track record and values of the individual running or preemptively cancel them because they're running as a Democrat. Despite, in Nina Turner's case, she didn't have the option, like I said, to run as anything other than a Democrat. And by the way, this preemptive cancellation of Turner happened in bulk by many popular YouTube hosts, and as a result, their viewers, simply because she was running as a Democrat, which again, was her only option. They didn't care what her track record was. 
They didn't care that she just went across the country for five years trying to elect Bernie Sanders. They didn't care that she raised hell at the DNC in 2016 against the establishment. They didn't care that she abandoned Hillary Clinton's campaign and moved over to Bernie's campaign when Bernie's campaign was not a revolution. It was not organized and really on the fly. She took a risk. Or preemptively canceling these candidates because the squad has let you down. So progressives are preemptively projecting their anger and frustration against the squad onto candidates like Nina Turner, who have a track record of fighting. Again, why would you say, well, these politicians over here, they're not doing what they promise. So that means every politician running will never do what they promise. That's just not logical. And I get it's coming from a valid place of anger and frustration, but it's not logical. And it, you're, you're literally sabotaging yourself by thinking that way. There were people who preemptively canceled her, and I saw this after my interview with her because she didn't rant and rave against Biden or the Democratic Party in a district where the voters Turner needed to convince support Biden in the Democratic Party. This is a very important point. Colin, come back to me. You do stop trying to run a national campaign in a local vote blue, no matter who district. Stop trying to run a national campaign and push for a revolution in a district where the voters, they don't want a revolution. They're scared of a revolution. They've been fed a lot of propaganda and bullshit about revolution. You're not going to reorient people, especially older voters, who are generationally inclined to not think this way. Even if you were running a national campaign like Bernie just did. Sure, you could be a little bit more hostile towards the Democratic Party, but at the end of the day, I said before, right when Bernie announced he was running for a second time, people who watch Status Quo might remember this. I said, he's not going to win if he doesn't pluck 7 to 10% of normie Democrats, Hillary Clinton voters from 2016, over to his side. 7 to 10%. He, he needed it. And he didn't get it. Why? Because he never tweaked his message. That's not the same thing as tweaking your policies. But he never tweaked his message to become more uh, palatable or less threatening to older voters who have been conditioned to not think big things can happen, who have been conditioned to especially older black voters and black voters in the period, they haven't had, they don't, they haven't had the luxury to expect big things for 400 years. They've had, the, they've had to basically vote out of survival. Who is going to harm them less? Who's going to give them something? And as a white person, you have to understand that thinking. That might not be how we think, but we haven't been murdered, kidnapped, raped, exploited, murdered for 400 years. How do you, do you want to spend your time thinking we could rant our rant and rave 
and somehow knock on the door of older vo voters and convince them it's time for a revolution. Convince older black voters it's time for a revolution. Older black voters who, again, have not had that luxury. They don't have that luxury. They've had to vote out of survival. And they have, they have voted because, to them, the Republicans are worse than the Democrats. Even if the Democrats are still screwing them, it's about who's going to screw you more for, for, for a whole race of people that have been exploited and beyond screwed. So you could, you could fixate on the Democratic Party. And frankly, listen, I know there's a lot of YouTubers. Their only concern is no, no Democratic Party. Okay, but what is the alternative? You can't honestly sit here and say MPP or Green Party or this and that. That is not an immediate plan. We've already talked about that we need outside of electoral politics strategies. Uh, I did announce earlier, uh, I joined Michael Moore on his podcast earlier today uh, to talk about our latest Flint water cover-up story that now three weeks after we broke it has still not been covered by the Flint Journal, not been covered by the Detroit Free Press, not been covered by the Detroit News, not been covered by the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, et cetera, et cetera. It's been covered up by them. And that's what this is. They all know about it because I've sent it to them. I've spoken with editors. Every one of them know about this story. Everybody knows what the story was. We found that they erased their phones. Governor Snyder's top officials erased their phones right before the launch of a criminal investigation. We found that um, top officials had no messages on their phones for all of 2014 through October 2015 when Flint used the Flint River. We found that Snyder's environmental department officials dropped off their phones in the state IT department, i.e. wiped clean, meaning erased, <laughs> shortly after Snyder held a press conference in Flint announcing Flint had toxic water. We found that Governor Snyder himself refused to hand over key documents to prosecutors for three years. So a whole lot of other things we found. If you haven't read the story, read the story. It is major. Aaron Brockovich said, and I quote, this is the biggest cover-up you will ever read. Ben and I went to the Flint Journal in Flint. Uh, here's what happened when we went to the Flint Journal. So we're ringing the doorbell for the Flint Journal. I'm going to speak with a, an editor or a manager here for reporters. We wanted to make sure they knew about an important story. Okay, what do you got? Uh, we broke this a few weeks ago. I'm pretty sure the Flint Journal knows about it. We broke it in the Detroit Metro Times and The Intercept on, okay. sure, yeah. on Governor Rick Snyder's administration. Their phones were deleted right before the launch of a criminal investigation. I want to be clear about something. This is what you just saw is not just Flint Journal. This is the fucking United States media. The United Corporations of America, that's the media. Those are the gatekeepers allowing this to remain the United Corporations of America. Let's go through the list of things that Flint's hometown paper is ignoring. And by the way, his whole, oh, what do you got? Pretending that he didn't hear about it. They knew about it, trust me. Trust me, they know about it. I sent it to many editors there, and they knew about it. So 
not only is Flint's hometown paper, which most residents in Flint either actively read or see once in a blue moon, not only are they completely burying, it's not just ignoring, they're completely burying um, a major scandal, the ma- a cover-up of the citizens in Flint that they supposedly report on behalf of. They also have not covered it even after Congress. Congress issued a scathing statement against Governor Snyder right after our story came out. Even after the Congressional House Oversight Committee said, we're investigating, we're now investigating based on your story and what you found. Even after the last mayor of Flint, not the mayor from 20 years ago, the mayor from two years ago. Excuse me, no. uh, Yeah, two years ago. She, on camera, said, the current attorney general of Michigan, who charged Governor Snyder with a misdemeanor, is allowing, helping Snyder get away with murder. Any of these things on their own would be on the front page of any newspaper actually interested in corruption, actually interested in environmental genocide of the community they report in, actually interested in um, a criminal cover-up that led to an untold number of people dying. This isn't like, you know, some basic journalistic disagreement where like, you know, I don't know, some young dreamer Cub Scout reporter that just started um, comes out or pitches the Rolling Stone on, on a story and they think it's, you know, amazing. And Rolling Stone tells them, oh, you know, we're going to pass. This, this is not that. This is ironclad, airtight. Nobody has disputed our reporting, our facts of destruction of evidence, tampering with evidence, p- potentially obstruction of justice. Congress responding to it. The, the last mayor saying the attorney general is basically in on the cover-up. And this Flint Journal, by the way, owned by Booth Newspapers, by Booth Newspapers, Booth Newspaper is a subsidiary of Advance Media. Advance Media, you following? Flint Journal, owned by Booth Newspapers, which is a subsidiary of Advance publications or advanced media advanced media the 221st largest corporation in america 221st so not top 100 pretty big company hmm this big corporation not wanting to rock the boat not wanting to report on the biggest government cover up in the 21st century let me repeat the biggest government cover-up in the 21st century. Frankly, I would put it above Watergate. If Watergate didn't have a president involved, nobody would have blinked. It would have just been some knuckleheads at the Watergate office. Nobody died that I know of. This was a cover-up. Governor, health department, environmental department, county officials in Flint, 
it appears the attorney general's office in Michigan. Congress responds to it, but the Flint journal silence. That was Saturday, by the way, today is Thursday. We handed them the packet. It had literally bullet points, bullet points, <laughs> easy to digest of what we found. It had the story of Congress responding and their statement. It had the tweets on there from Rashida Tlaib, Ro Khanna, Susan Sarandon, Aaron Brockovich, actor Mark Ruffalo, Marianne Williamson. That guy, he's the head of the Flint Journal. He's the top editor. Comes out, what do you got? When I go down the list of what we got, you know what he says? Does he ask any questions about it? Does he say, oh yeah, we read this. We've been doing some follow-up reporting on it. We're working on a story about it. Oh, is this your number? Is this the best number to reach you at? Yeah, still waiting five days later. The people of Flint still waiting. You know what's outrageous? You know what's outrageous? I I interviewed a lot of residents there. I met with uh, a woman, Ariana Hawk. She's a, uh, a Flint mother. Her son, her na his name is Sincere, was, uh, if you remember Time Magazine in 2016, there was an image of a young black boy on the, on the cover of Time Magazine with body rashes from that water. That was her son. And before we started the interview, she was furious. Why was she furious? Because she was hearing for the first time from me about this cover-up that we found. She said, I don't understand. How come, how come I didn't hear about this? Nobody I know has heard about this here. Because your media is a fucking corrupt enterprise. And it's not just the Flint Journal. It's the Detroit Free Press. It's the Detroit News. It's the New York Times, the Washington Post, Rachel Maddow, MSNBC. I have sent this to Rachel Maddow's executive producer four times. He got it. I, I was di direct messaging in Twitter, the private message. I direct messaged with a New York Times editor. She said, great story here. I said, thanks. Does the New York Times plan on doing three paragraphs on it to alert the country? Hey, the world, because the world reads the New York Times, didn't respond. You want to talk about, oh, they're running as a Democrat. Oh, fraud, sellouts. The reason we have the corrupt country that we have is because we have a corrupt media that literally is in bed with the corrupt corporations and the corrupt criminal enterprise that is government. There's nothing left to say. The Flint Journal, the Detroit Free Press, the New York Times, who, by the way, years ago tried to steal a story that I brought to them, Jen and I brought to them. They said, oh, no, we have reporters, so we would do it on our own, but thanks for the tip. I said, it's not a fucking tip. I want to do it with you. Then my main source in Flint calls me. Hey, I just got a call from the New York Times, a reporter asking us about, uh, you know, government officials going into people's homes, uh, running people's water before testing for lead and copper. And the source told them, yeah, you should call Jordan. That's his story. They knew it was my story. And instead of doing it with me, they tried to steal it. And if they were going to steal it, Trust me, if they ended up publishing it, which they didn't, it would have been severely watered down to the point where it wasn't even what actually happened. What is the, what, what 
possible, plausible, credible, rational reason could Flint's hometown paper have for not informing Flint residents? And by the way, the people who have moved out of Flint, but were there during the water crisis, of a cover-up. I mean, what do you call this? Flint mayor, Democrat, you would think if there was a major bombshell cover-up of of the Flint water crisis that led to the people you represent as the mayor of Flint, uh, cover-up of who poisoned them, who knew what when. Oh my God, if I was the mayor of Flint, I'd be in front of a camera the next minute. Press conferences, account- calling for accountability, calling for criminal charges. Let's show uh, what happened when Jen and I visited uh, Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely's office. Hello. Yeah, we're here uh, to drop off something with Mayor Neely. We're journalists. I don't know if you see her right now, but we broke a major story uh, two weeks ago. I don't know if the mayor knows about it, so we wanted to drop off the information. Congress is uh, investigating what we found. Okay, he's a good guy. Is he here? Um, you didn't, no, not for appointment. No, he is here, but not for appointment. Okay. He might. He um. We've met with him before because he did a documentary. Um, so you might be familiar with us if you mention her name. Yeah, Jordan Sheridan. This is Melissa. Hey, how you doing? Hi. Yeah, we broke, we're journalists. We broke a story two weeks ago. We wanted to make sure the mayor knew about it. Uh, it's pertaining to Governor Snyder and the Flint water cover-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congress actually spoke out on what we broke. So we found that uh, top officials in the governor's office when he was governor, their phones were erased right before the launch the criminal investigation, health officials, they had no messages on their phone for the entire period Flint used Flint River. The governor refused to hand over documents for years. So I don't know if he knows about it or not, but we haven't been able to get uh, this on his radar. Uh, Congressman Kilby hasn't spoken out about it. Congress, uh, the Oversight Committee, they spoke out about it. They're investigating based on our findings. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I assume the mayor would want to speak out once he knows about the information. So. Here's the Associated Press on the uh, House Oversight Committee reacting, as well as Congress. Rashida Tlaib spoke out, Ro Khanna, a couple celebrities, so we hope that the uh, mayor will speak out too, because this is a big cover-up. Thank you very much. Sure. And he should be familiar with us. He attended our, we did a documentary, um, and before COVID hit, he attended, and so we've spoken with him um, several times. Yeah, he knows us. Okay. Yeah, so... You have to laugh to avoid crying, honestly. You have to laugh to avoid crying. First of all, uh, I don't know who the woman is we spoke with. I think she's the communications director, but I can't say that with certainty, but I I think that's who it was. (laughs) Why elect? You're literally electing mayors who literally... Don't give a shit that there was a major government cover-up led by Republicans that poisoned the community you're the mayor of. Forget more morality or what's right or wrong, just politically. 
wouldn't it be good politics to come out ranting and raving about this massive cover-up that credible news outlets just broke about the Republican governor who poisoned your constituents? And this, it's not her fault. She's just a flack for the mayor. They're acting like they don't know about it. Trust me, they know about it. Oh, thanks. Take care, i.e. get the fuck out of here. Let's move on to Congressman Dan Kildee's office. He is Flint's congressman. So we're talking federal. Flint's congressman. I can't can't leave here. It's it's not my rules. It's their rules. Oh, so they don't like the public to not not that. It's like it's not that they don't like the public to come up. It's like they're so busy and like the way that they go about things is just like right to block the public from coming up. So I just want you to know what this is. So we can drop it off. We're journalists. We just broke a major story about the former governor Rick Snyder. Oh boy. Oh boy. I think my favorite part of that, there were so many, is when he says, you know, they're just so busy. That's why they won't let people up there. Oh, yeah, they're so busy not saying a goddamn fucking word about the biggest cover-up of the 21st century of the people that Congressman Dan Kildee represents. Just too busy. Too busy? Hmm. I mean, you really, honestly, you cannot make this up. Can't make it up. They're just too busy. To be clear, Dan Kildee, Flint's congressman, uh, he's in Congress. So is he asleep in Congress? Because the House Oversight Committee in Congress issued a scathing statement about what we reported and said they're investigating it. You think Congressman Dan Kildee doesn't know that the Democratic House Oversight Committee, he's a Democrat, just reacted that they're investigating this major cover-up? I wonder why Congressman Dan Kildee is silent. Could it have anything to do with who gives him money? Remember I mentioned the Mott Foundation? The Mott Foundation, who has been gentrifying the hell out of Flint to push poor people out, poor black people out? Who has bought off all the politicians in Flint? Who... Honestly, Flint can't stand or operate without Mott because Mott funds the hospitals, the schools, and a lot of things. Mott Foundation, look it up. Look up Mott Foundation and corruption. Look up Mott Foundation and racism. You'll find a lot of things. Mott Foundation, by the way, uh, they, uh, the family uh, owns U.S. Sugar, largest sugar company in America. Because Mr. Kildee has gotten a lot of money from the Mots. Absolutely revolting. You should be ashamed of yourself, Congressman Kildee. Debbie Stabenow, Senator Debbie Stabenow, loves to get in front of a camera if she could pretend that she's done something for Flint. Silence. Hasn't said a damn word. Isn't it interesting that the only congresswoman in Michigan that has said something isn't even, doesn't even represent Flint? Rashida Tlaib. Hmm. 
So the Michigan congressman will say something, but the Flint congressman, cat got his tongue. Folks, you might think what I'm about to ask you to do doesn't matter. I think it does. If you can, obviously people are busy, work a couple jobs, have kids. If you can't, no problem. If you can, there's numbers and emails to the Flint Journal, to the Detroit Free Press, to Mayor Sheldon Neely, to Congressman Dan Kildee. Give them a piece of your mind. I'm not, I don't want you to do anything extreme, no violence. But why should these people get to pretend they don't know anything about this? Why should these people get to pretend that they are there demanding justice for the people of Flint, that they're there journalistically holding people accountable for the people of Flint, that they're the mayor demanding justice for the people of Flint? when they are silent about the biggest government cover-up of the 21st century. Colin has it up on the screen. I put it in the description of the video. Call them. Email them. Don't stop. Don't stop just at tomorrow. Don't stop next week. Keep at it. Annoy the living shit out of them. You could tell them I told you that. Ask them. Uh, why did you get into journalism if you're not going to cover and inform your Flint and Detroit and America about the biggest government cover of the 21st century? Why are you not reporting that Flint residents are still seven and a half years later getting rashes? Losing hair, eyes burning when they shower, slowly dying with all sorts of illnesses. Not a news story, not sexy enough for you. 